like our, our 30,000 foot view, and I always call that big picture view, our 30,000 foot view is we want to provide a purposeful physical education program that not only develops that physical literacy aspect of students, but what about the sports literacy and also the wellness literacy? So when they're finished the program, they can walk out not only being able just to be healthy, active individuals, but what about those individuals that have that pathway to go into elite sports or have that pathway available for them to be uh, just athletic leaders in the community? So we're trying to develop that program where we can offer students those streams of excellence based on what they want to accomplish. So it's, been, it's actually been kind of uh, really cool to, to just start developing that and start putting some of those policies and practices in this year. This is the Phys Ed Cast. My guest today on the Phys Ed Cast is my good friend, Jace Ferguson. Jace received his Bachelor of Secondary Education from the University of Alberta in 2006, and since then has sought challenges that continually push him outside of his comfort zone. He's taught physical education to violent high-risk youth, been an athletic director and physical educator in rural schools in Alberta. He's pursued his Master's of Science in Recreation and Sports Science from Ohio University in 2013, became the VP of Pedagogy and Curriculum Development for the Health and Physical Education Council of Alberta. He's currently seeking out adventures in the international teaching world with, with his wife and daughter. Now, when we recorded this episode, Jace was in Dubai working at the Universal American School as a grade level coordinator. So a lot of this conversation will be about his work there. Since recording this episode, Jace and his family have relocated to Macau, where he's currently teaching at the International School of Macau. So while listening, please be aware that a lot of the things he's talking about were from his time at the Universal American School in Dubai. That being said, I know he's continuing to do amazing work at the International School of Macau, and I'm sure if you follow him through his social media channels, you'll see some of the fantastic things that he is doing. I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with my good friend, Jace Ferguson. I'm here today with Jace Ferguson. Uh, he's currently in Dubai. Jace, how's it going? Doing it's going great, Nathan. It's uh, opposite side of the world, so it's a little bit different time change here, but things are great. Like it's an amazing place to be, and love to have you on. Love to be on your podcast. Yeah, thanks. So it uh, even though we're in different time zones, we're both sort of at the same point of uh, of our school year. About to go back and and start. A new school year, um, so there's a lot of excitement um, around that. I know that uh, you're doing some really great work over there in Dubai um, at your school. Before we sort of get into that, I wanted to, for those people that don't know, don't know you and aren't as, as lucky as as myself to to know you. Um, who are you? Where are you from? How did you get started as a as a physical educator? What what brings you to to where you are today? Uh, so currently, like I'm in uh, Dubai in the UAE with uh, my wife, and we've, this is going on to our fourth school year here. Um, even just at this school, I've had various roles. So uh, right now, I'm our K-12 uh, PE coordinator. Before that, I was uh, one of our grade-level coordinators for just our high school grade 9. And 
even when I first came here, I was teaching KG2 to grade 5P, so a little bit of a mixed bag of rules here at the school. But before that, I was teaching about 10 years back in Alberta, at, uh, mostly in our junior high high school, but I was also involved with the, the physical education council, so, that, so HPEC. Um, at one point, I was just a regional representative, putting on workshops for other PE teachers in the area, and eventually got nominated to being our vice president of pedagogy and curriculum development, where I got to meet some really amazing people in the world of PE in Alberta and actually started working on some projects, which uh, it's actually kind of so cool to see them in action today. So kind of a kind of a little bit of experience in all the areas, but definitely centered on that whole realm of uh, just education and delivering content to students. Yeah, that's great. And, and we'll get into a little bit uh, later about curriculum and, and the work that you're doing there. But I guess, how did you, what, what took you from Alberta to, to the bright lights of Dubai? What, what sort of, um, I guess, motivated that move? And, and, and yeah, how did, how did you get from, from, I guess, small town Alberta to, to Dubai? Uh, it's actually kind of funny. It's um, <clears throat> my wife kind of came up to me the proposal. That, hey, do you know what? I saw a job job opening in Dubai. What would you feel about applying for it? I'm like, yeah, sure. What's the worst that can happen? I actually actually had no intentions of ever really leaving. Um, and then we got we had this interview, and when I had the Skype interview with the current director at the time, he just blew me away. So. It was somebody that I could see working with and working well with and somebody could help me develop as a professional, but also develop some of the tools that I want to develop in my own career. So within, I think, four days, we made that decision to uh, accept the jobs, start the visa process. And then I think 20 days after that, we were on a plane heading to heading to Dubai with about six suitcases, which consisted of all of our worldly possessions. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of like myself, obviously, having had that international experience, I think it's such a valuable uh, thing to do, not only as a professional, but just on a personal level. So uh, in terms of uh, the stuff that you're doing um, at your school there in Dubai, your school's called uh, Universal American School, is that correct? Yeah, Universal American School in Dubai. Yeah, and you are a K to 12 school? Yeah, so we are actually a pre-K to 12 school. So we start at uh, pre-K into KG1 all the way up into grade 12. Okay, and how many students at the school? Uh, this year, I believe we're at 1,200 students across the board. Okay, so it's a, it's a pretty big a big place. Now, um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about and, and have you share with, with people that listen to this podcast um, was around the way that uh, you are trying to, to plan um, your physical education program at the school, because, um, I know if people follow you on Twitter or if they, they've uh, been to your website, they'll see that, uh, curriculum, I think is an area that, uh, you are taking really seriously and that you're trying to really, uh, design and develop in a way that is, um, going to help all of those students that, uh, that are in your school. So I don't know if you can sort of just speak to sort of the bigger picture of, of what you're trying to do there with, with the curriculum work that you're currently doing. Yeah, no problem. So like our, our 30,000 foot view, and I always call that big picture view, our 30,000 foot view is we want to provide a purposeful physical education program that not only develops that physical literacy aspect of students, but what about the sports literacy and also the wellness literacy? So when they're finished the program, 
they could walk out not only being able just to be healthy, active individuals, but what about those individuals that have that pathway to go into elite sports or have that pathway available for them to be uh, just athletic leaders in the community? So we're trying to develop that program where we can offer students those streams of excellence based on what they want to accomplish. So it's, been, it's actually been kind of uh, really cool to, to just start developing that and start putting some of those policies and practices in this year. So how have you how have you gone about that? Like that that's your big thirty thousand foot view. How does that uh, filter down to to the ground level and, and sort of day to day practice? Like what what sort of things are you trying to work on with your team? So even just coming down from that thirty thousand foot view, we started looking at looking at some of the research that's out there based on just some physical literacy research, based on uh, long term athlete development research, and we started chunking it in. So taking our pre-K to 12 program, chunking into specific phases where each phase develops in a purposeful, progressive manner up until our final work point. So even just starting with introduction of physical literacy and the aspect of fun and enjoyment in our lower elementaries, building up those fundamental movement skills then start integrating sports capacities and cooperative behaviors and uh, social development and leadership development all the way up into uh, sports specialization. And uh, eventually, those three separate streams of just uh, elite sport or just re- active and recreation for life or eventually being a sport leader. For sure. And um, I think from from the stuff that I've seen um, on online that, that you've, you've sort of posted, it, it seems like quite a big job. Would that be would that be a fair, a fair comment? It is like we've uh, we've started the process uh, this year. And it's, it's taken, well, like all this week, we've not only had to talk about with our new teachers, with curriculum and how to develop it, but also what would it look like? And then taking our, our vision and our statement and kind of the benchmarks we want to accomplish, and even then attaching them to our assessment standards that we're held accountable to by the governing body here in Dubai. So we're trying, trying to take our vision, connect it to our curriculum outcomes, or the shape standards, and giving it some some uh, foundation work so that we could take that. It's like, these are my assessment statements. These are my teaching points, my development points. And that could eventually just filter into your day-to-day lesson planning, your unit planning, your conceptual planning. For sure, for sure. So it, it is like, I know, a big job. Like how how long do you see this project taking you? Is it something that will ever be complete or, or do you think it's something that's just going to be continuously ongoing and changing as as uh, as the years go by? Well, as the process goes and evolve and as research comes out, it'll probably change. But for initially to develop this uh, scheme of work, uh, we're actually going to be ready to roll out with it within the next week or so. So when we actually get into the full swing of the school year, we have our assessment statements, our development statements that we connect into our planning. Uh, and then the pieces behind that would be just be connecting our assessment practices and creating quality assessments that assess that criteria. So the process will be... I almost think it'll be the full year before we actually get it ironed out in terms of connecting it to assessment, to uh, daily pedagogy, and all the other great stuff. So hopefully by the end of this year, it'll be something we could fine tune and push out and something we'd all be proud of. Yeah, for sure. And, and you mentioned that uh, you've sort of consulted research um, and, and resources around physical literacy and long-term athlete development. Are there any resources in particular that you found really helpful in, in terms of, of undertaking this project? I really, I think it almost started uh, a few years ago when I was writing my master's thesis, just based on elite pa- elite athlete pathways, 
And I actually came across the work of Bally, and uh, he actually, a lot of the concepts he talks about, he is uh, actually used by like uh, Canada's Sport for Life. So the whole idea of the long-term athlete framework and all that other uh, kind of the phases and athlete development cycles, that's all based off that work, which really highly influenced my, uh, my master's thesis, but also my experience working with physical literacy in, uh, with our HPEC. Uh, just uh, getting that firm understanding about what it is and how we can integrate it into the classroom instead of just doing it unintentionally. So it's pulling from a few academic resources, but also pulling from a few uh, experiences throughout my career. And then uh, Shane Pill, Shane Pill has been really great sending me a lot of stuff on uh, sport literacy and uh, really creating a solid understanding of what that is within the school department. Yeah, I think that's great. I think one of the things that uh, excites me about the work that, that you're doing there with your team is is sort of putting that whole idea of physical literacy into action. And I'm going to be chatting with uh, with Andy Hare um, a little bit later today um, around the same thing. I think that uh, that is probably one of the biggest, um, I guess, stumbling blocks right now, maybe for, for teachers and, and people out there in the physical education world is, you know, how do you take this this big overarching concept and put it into to day-to-day practice and um, assess it and, and have it really, I guess, everything aligned. And, and I think that the work that, that you've started and that you're about to roll out is, is um, uh, one, I guess, pathway of, of trying to do that. So I, I'm very excited to see how that goes. How do you think that your students um, will I guess, respond to, to the way that you, you're introducing it or how have they responded? Because I know that depending on, on where, where you are in the world and what sort of students you have and the culture that maybe exists around physical education or, or at the school, like how has this been a change for your students? Have they found it difficult to adapt to? Or are, they, are they open to it? Like what's been the experience for the students in terms of um, this approach that you guys are taking? So I actually did like a little focus group with it last year. So before I decided, I was like, okay, something we could develop and implement and prevent and, and use school-wide, I actually just picked one of my PE classes and planned it along some of the concepts and actually used the, the framework out of New South Wales to help me guide that. And one thing I found is when the great thing about this is it takes all these standards that are just up in the air, but nobody can grasp and really hold them it puts them into like a concept and an idea that you can actually see in action, puts in language that the students, the parents and the school community can relate to and actually easily grasp. And then it's simple just to kind of plan around that and implement that throughout your daily practice. So um, this last year when I did it, I introduced some of these ideas and actually changed some of the language I was used that the students are used to hearing and they responded well. Like the, the biggest thing that really stuck with me is when at the end of the year and I asked the students, do you understand where you are at in your physical literacy journey? No, no kid went, well, I'm not too sure. They're like, yeah, I know where I'm at. I know what I need to do to continue moving forward and where it could potentially take me. So looking at that based along just the instruction around those concepts, like it it has the potential to work and has the potential to be really powerful to put the learning in the student's hands. That's great. And and then how do those students, like you say that they're, they're very aware of where they're at. Like how is that made visible to the students on a, on a day-to-day basis? Like how, how do they know where they're at in terms of their physical literacy journey? Is there like, do you keep portfolios? Like how, how is that visible? 
Well, I think, like, I tried pl playing with portfolios this year. It's just, it, it turned out to be just a lot for the students to keep in track, especially with what they have going with uh, their other courses. But I just, I actually really fine-tuned my assessment strategies and just made the feedback tools I was using very, very student-friendly and actually made them part of the process. Like, uh, you talk about, like, assessment of learning and as learning. The students were part of the process to prevent, to produce me that final product. It wasn't just me pulling out this rubric saying, I'm going to grade this. I had them grade each other, had them actually grade themselves, and I had them giving further explanations as to why they would do those things, a lot of peer coaching. And it really got them involved in the process. I think that was key for them to understand where they're at in the physical literacy journey and their development. For sure. And, and one of the things that I saw um, on, on your website, Tin Can Physical Education, which is a fantastic website, by the way, was about uh, the idea of student-created outcomes. Um, can you share with the listeners a little bit about, about that and how that sort of ties into to what we've just been talking about? So um, I actually got this idea last year at Connected P where I was talking with uh, Andy Vasily just about unpacking the outcomes for the students. And then you're having that conversation and just that light bulb moment goes off and like, what if I had the students create what there was to unpack? So I set the stage onto what the conversation's about, set the, the criteria, but have them create the specific unpacking materials, the specific outcomes. And then this ties into Shane Pill's idea about developing game sense within athletes, just kind of chunking up into smaller pieces. So I kind of sat down and I thought, I was like, oh, how can I framework this within the ideas? Okay, well, here's our, uh, our concept. So kind of using the, the concept of net wall games. All right, so from that concept of net wall games, I would just have them, okay, what's the, what's the main purpose of that game? And really try to explain to the students, if a caveman were to explain the concept of, let's say, hockey, how can he explain the concept of hockey? Just using caveman speak. So having them develop those... Uh, those statements and then even moving from there okay well what do you need to show me to demonstrate that you value this activity that you understand the importance of why we're playing it and why we're doing it or how can you demonstrate to me like the critical understandings of it like the strategic thought or the critical understandings of the of the physics and movement or the social development that we're working on or potentially just like the movement skills themselves so i would only pick one of those four domains to work on and really focus the students on creating what would be the benchmarks within that. So the first try was a struggle. Um, students just weren't ready for it. They just weren't ready to do it. But then as, by the end of the year, after we've done it a few times, um, I'd have to almost pull out two whiteboards because they'd be pushing each other out of the way to get to one to write over it. So they really bought into it because they were part of the process to create something that they knew they understood. Yeah, for sure. I think that's really important is just creating that culture in in your classroom of, of learning and that everybody is a part of that learning journey, not just the teacher sort of filtering it down from, from on high. So I think that that's, that's a really fantastic way. And, and I, like you said, I think it links directly into that sort of, sort of that bigger picture. I think the, if you, you have that 30,000 foot view, as you, as you say, then if everything always sort of aligns back to that, um, everything that you do is it has purpose and has meaning and you're not sort of just like, jumping from day to day and activity to activity sort of 
here and there, but everything is is basically purposeful and, and is there for a reason. And, and if the students can see that and they can understand that and they feel like they're a part of that, then definitely you're, you're on the right track. So um, some really, really fantastic stuff. And, and I'm, I'm super excited to see um, where it goes. Um, I've heard you, I was lucky to, to sort of meet you in Dubai there at Connected P a few years back and I got to see you present a little bit on assessment. And one of the things that I really loved um, that you explained the idea of, of assessment, sort of like rocks, pebbles, and sand. Um, I don't know, can you share with our listeners that that sort of concept of rocks, pebbles, and sand? Yeah, so it's almost kind of like um, a little while ago, is floating around through Facebook, the whole concept of uh, this professor gave his class rock, pebbles, and sand to fit into a glass jar. And when done correctly, you can fit all of it in. Because if we look at our outcomes and our curriculum standards, some of us have, like us counting them today, just for the high school for the shape, there's 100 plus assessment statements. I don't even have that many classes with my students throughout the year. So how can I effectively integrate that into my uh, daily practice? And how can I, how can I integrate that into uh, my, uh, my assessment practices? So the whole idea between rock, sand and, uh, rock pebbles and sand is the rocks are the big ideas. So what, do you, what are the big concepts and this year, we've actually used the whole ideas of the four domains of physical education. So the physical movement, the behavioral aspect, the cognitive aspect, and also the, 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 the social aspect of physical education. Those are our big rocks. Now, the pebbles, the pebbles are smaller versions of those rocks. For us, we're kind of going around basing everything off of value. So from those four domains, we've actually put in different values that describe that domain. So for, for the behavioral domain, we're talking about like independence and persistence, positive behaviors, conducted physical activity, things like that. Now the sand, the sand is actually the specific standard outcomes themselves that would connect to that value. Now done in order, all of this can fit into a very effective planning, but if you're just trying to get the sand in first and trying to look at the values and then trying to get in the rocks, you'll never fit everything in. So taking that step back and just almost prioritizing, what are our big outcomes we really want to focus on this year? How can we chunk those up into smaller manageable values? And then eventually the sand just falls into place. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people who are operating with the shape standards now, I've seen a lot of discussion around that idea of, you know, people think, well, I have to do all of them because they're there. Um, and that, that taking that approach of, you know, well, what's the what's the big big ideas? What is the most important parts? And then how can we we break that down and make it, uh, make it a bit more manageable for not only the teachers, but the students? So I think that's a really great way um, of, of looking at it. Um, I do try and keep these episodes at 30 minutes and we're sort of approaching uh 25 minutes right now so i want to sort of um try to wrap this up a little bit and, and i'd like to ask um some quicker questions towards the end of, of the podcast so i'm going to ask you a few questions just quick responses 25 words or less um the first one is what's something that people don't know about jace video game nerd yeah when I'm not when I'm not working on curriculum or playing with my daughter or at the gym, I just like to sit down and play video games. And what sort of games are we playing? I'm actually enjoying the like the old, like the old platformers, like the ones you play on Nintendo, Super Nintendo. There's some new games that follow that idea, so they're always just kind of like a throwback to when I was a kid. Do you do you feel that uh, it's interesting because a few um, people that I know in the physical education world enjoy um, playing video games? Do you feel that like video games and that gamified um, approach to things can 
help students in, in physical education? Do you feel like there's like a bit of a crossover there? I, I think there is like, there's a connection to the idea of how to take something that could potentially not be. So how can you take the idea of playing video games, sitting on a couch, looking at a screen, but make it engaging and fun? For a lot of kids, PE is not the fun part of their day, but how do we make that engaging and fun is through gamifying it. Yeah, for sure. And I know that I'm going to be speaking with uh, Kyle Condliff um, out of New Zealand, and he's done a lot of work around gamified learning. So I'm super excited to speak to him, and, and he's going to just drop a heap of knowledge bombs around that. So I think that's, uh, that's a good segue into that. Um, okay, my next quick question is, um, what is something that you're not very good at? Oh, interior design. Uh, when we're picking the colors for the house, apparently I have the taste of a college freshman from my <laughs> wife's uh, quoted words. Okay. So she gets to decorate our entire house. And you've just you've just moved at the start of the summer. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, we moved to our new place uh, before we went home for the summer. So she kind of picked all the colors and picked the curtains, which I would never have picked in a million years, but they actually look really nice. Okay, that's what uh, wives are uh, very handy at uh, all of that sort of big picture stuff around decorating. I'm, I'm the same. I'd probably give you the same uh, the same answer. I sometimes I'm like, oh, that looks really nice, and my wife's like, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, speaking about things that you're not good at, one thing that uh, I've learned across my career and and throughout life is that that failing, I think, is really really important. Like, uh, if you're failing well, it means that you're learning, and and there's a lot of sort of positive stuff that can come out of out of failure. Um, can you tell me about a time when you failed, and then what you learned from that failure? I almost want to say uh, my first teaching job, my first teaching experience as a strictly as a PE a specialist, uh, I was teaching, it was actually there for one year. I thought I was doing great, I thought, like great relationship with the kids, but then my contract wasn't renewed. And looking at it in terms of teaching and working with students, there was just certain things that weren't lining up. So I took that moment of failure and actually took from that, learned from it and grew from it. And that's where I actually found the school I was at for the past seven years. And in terms of aligning the type of person you are with the type of school you're at. And it was really a great learning experience because I thought things were going great. Then all of a sudden it's, uh, here's, here's your evaluation. Yeah, we're going to go a different direction next year. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's something, it's interesting because I've asked, um, this question to a lot of my guests and a lot, and it's always a pretty similar answer around, you know, like not doing well in a, in a lesson or a school or a teaching approach. And, and, and I, that resonates with me because I was speaking with, uh, with Rick Howard recently, who's a a guru in long-term athletic development. and, And he was saying a similar thing. And I said, yeah, like if you look at a lot of my lessons that I teach, um, you know, they, sometimes they don't look very good and sometimes they don't go very well, but being willing to try new things, being open-minded to that failure and learning from that failure, I think is a really, really important um, part of, of not only being a teacher, but just being a human being in general. So um, I think a lot of us as educators and as people need to be more open to to that idea of failure. If you if you can fail well, then you're going to learn from it. You're going to become um, a better a better person and a better, a better educator um, in the long run. Um, the last question I like to ask is, um, and it's it's a tough one because it's a pretty big concept, and I'm asking you to try and package it down into into something small. If you were the the 
um, the guru, the leader, the person that was in charge of physical education worldwide, what's your one thing that we should be focusing on moving forward? Uh, fun and purposeful progress. You can't have one without the other. If you're not having fun, the students aren't engaged, they're not going to learn and grow. So you have to make it that engaging, fun part. For sure, for sure. Well, I think we are at about 30 minutes. So I want to take the, the time to, to thank you so much, Jace, for um, giving up some of your time to, to speak with me today. Um, I'm super excited to see where the work that you're doing there at your school around um, your values and your curriculum goes. I think it's um, going to be a, a huge, huge success for, for you, um, your team and your students there. And, and I can't wait to, to hear more about it. For those people that want to find out more about the work that you're doing um, or want to connect with you online, what, what are some ways that they can get in contact with you? Um, one of the best things is uh, with Twitter. Twitter is actually one of the probably the best ways. I'm usually trying to post some of the work that we're doing at the time. I'm also periodically posting just reflective uh, posts on my blog, so tincanphysed.com. And, um, yeah, just through the social media venues, uh, my, my Twitter handle, if you just search Jace Ferguson or if you actually put in Grand Muchacho, my Twitter handle will definitely come up. And uh, if you're wondering what that what the meaning is behind that name, you'll definitely have to check out Dale Sidebottom's uh, podcast because that's where I reveal all my secrets. Okay, for sure, for sure. And <laughs> um, yeah, I can highly recommend heading over to, to Tin Can Physical Education. Um, it's a fantastic website and a lot of the stuff that uh, I spoke with Jace today about um, – there's more and more information on there. So I'll make sure to put that in the show notes uh, for this episode. Thank you so much, Jace. Um, have a fantastic school year and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Jace Ferguson. Thanks for having me, Nathan, and enjoy everybody. Have a great start to your school year. A huge thanks to Jace for us taking the time to chat with us today on the Phys Ed Cast. Again, my apologies for spending uh, so long to get this episode out. It definitely was one of those ones that we recorded quite a while ago before he moved to Macau and it just got lost uh, in the shuffle of all the things that are going on in the Phys Ed world. But I still wanted to release it and hopefully you got something out of it. Um, thanks again for your support of the Phys Ed Cast. If you're enjoying the show, uh, have a favor to ask. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to like and rate and review and all those things, but what I am going to ask you to do is just share the show with uh, one or two colleagues or friends or people that you think might get some value out of it. So if you think you can think of somebody, just let them know about the Phys Ed Cast and, uh, and share it with them, and, and then that'll hopefully help us just to build some community around the show and help us to get some better guests uh, and more fantastic episode coming soon. Look forward to speaking to you again soon on another episode of the Phys Ed Cast. Until then, my name is Nathan Horn from iPhysEd.com and this is the Phys Ed Cast.